Open up your Bibles to Matthew 25. We're going to start maybe for just a few days uh, a series. Now, not like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, a few Sundays, uh, a series called Well Done. And, um, you know, I, from the beginning of me walking with God, you know, I would hear people talk about, you know, when we get to heaven, everybody's going to want to hear these words if you're a believer because you're not going to hear these if you're not saved. And salvation is not works, it's a regeneration, it's a being made new, it's gaining eternal life inside through grace. And, uh, but we're going to all want to hear those who go in, and, and God wants us to hear this, well done. You know, he, I don't want, I mean, I don't know, some of us, you walk in and he's going to say medium rare, rare. No, he won't, no, you, well done, I meaning you did good. You, you, did, you did good. Sorry to the people who don't like rare. But anyway, Matthew 25, I have to turn there. Well done. God wants to say that to you as a believer. That, that would give God pleasure to look at you and go, well done. You, you did well. Well, to be well done or do it well it means I got to hit a mark. Or, or I'm just guessing what, what well done looks like. So Matthew 25, and we will begin reading in the 22nd verse. Notice this. He also, who had received two talents, Matthew 25, 22, he also who had received 10 talents. Now in this story here that he is telling, he's saying different people receive different talents and abilities here on the earth. And uh, we all will give an account for what we've done, you know, with the gifts, the talents we have. But there has to be, a, and there is, according to Scripture, like a baseline, like a target for, uh, you know, a uniform target that we are all to strive for. Meaning this, if you see uh, like archery, I watched a video of this girl shooting real far and the other day and somebody was siding for and she couldn't even see the target crack so she's putting this arc well she's aiming and she went down I mean you know a long way for an archery shot and it was with I mean it was pretty close to a bullseye from like way far away and I was like wow it's pretty impressive but you know we don't want to be like this you know like Charlie Brown or Lucy where she shoots an arrow and then runs down there and wherever it hits, put a bullseye around it. I mean, that would be cool if that's how life was. Just, just when we get to the end, just draw a big circle around what, what we've all been aiming for. And it could be totally different. And, and we all hit a bullseye. You know, some of us hit the side of a barn. Some of us, you know, hit different things. And, but everyone got a bullseye. No, we need to know what the target is so we can aim for it. And so he said people had talents, and these people would give an account. And so he said right here in verse 22, he also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. In other words, I did something with the assignment you gave me, and, and I increased 
and I used it, and I did something with it, and, and I produced something. And the Lord said to him in verse 33, well done. Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a few things. You know, God just gives us a few things to do. Amen? He does give us some things to do. There are assignments that we as people are supposed to be doing. And this person did them, and he said, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. So faithfulness to whatever it is we're called to do, and we're going to look at the kind of the baseline that's fundamental for all believers. If we don't do this, it doesn't matter about the big thing that we're looking to do. Are you with me? There is a baseline first of what we're all to do. It'd be like saying, I'm trying to build this big house, but I haven't put down the foundation. Well, the house is going to have some issues. So we got to get the basis or the base down first, what we would call the foundation. And this is something that we can all hit the target on. And he said here, after he said, because of this, he said, I'll make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the depression of the Lord. You read in your Bible? This is why you got to prove everything I'm saying or anybody's saying. Yeah, it's the joy of the Lord. I mean, there is no depression in the Lord. And there is an element of accomplishing things presently in the Lord that does produce joy too. The Lord said, if you pray and use the name of Jesus, you'll get answers. And he said, it would make your joy overflow. He didn't say, if you pray this way, watch, you're going to get your prayers answered and it's just going to cause depression. He said, if you would walk and obey him and walk in fellowship with him uh, and just walk with him, he said, it would cause your joy to be full. In other words, if I walk with him, I can have joy, not depression. So notice this. He tells them, well done. You know, I think that's the goal for everybody deep down. I want to hear well done. I mean, kids look for, you know, the acceptance of their parents or their peers or whatever it is. Who greater to have somebody say well done than God? Now, God loves his people. God's love is not contingent on what we do, but these areas of faithfulness, he wants us to do them well, and he wants to be able to say, well done. If you'll turn to Matthew 28, we're going to look at the baseline, so to speak, the starting point for every believer. Now you understand this, God is going to hold people accountable according to what's written in the word, not just what we think is God's will, for our life. And uh, now we don't get into heaven by doing works. We get into heaven by being made new in our spirit, coming to life in Christ, meaning his very life raises us up internally 
we are what the Bible calls a new creation, that comes like marriage. You know, some people, you know, you'll hear about people, yeah, we're, we just have been living together so long, we're just like, we're, we're, we're just married. Well, you can't just go, I've just gone to church so long, I'm just a Christian. Well, I've been going to in and out for a long time, and it didn't turn me into a cheeseburger. And just because you go to church doesn't turn you into a Christian. Now, I may look more like a cheeseburger than I used to with the cheese hanging off the side, but I'm still not a cheeseburger. Some people are like, oh, I, I don't know about that. But the fact of the matter is going to church saves nobody. But going there, you can find the way of how to receive this divine life to cause you to become a child of God. Then when you become a child of God, we all have the same base purpose. There's nobody excused from this. Are you with me? Matthew 28, 18. And this is it. This is the purpose, uh, the, the bullseye. This is what we should all be aiming for. And, and let me make this statement. So many people ask, what's the plan of God for my life? Does it really matter about those things you don't see written? Uh, in other words, if I don't have the foundation on my uh, house down, why am I trying to build something on top of it? You get what I mean? You, you know, those kind of homes will, will crumble. Because there's no foundation. Once the foundation is down, then you can build. Then you can go on to what has he called me to do beyond the base thing. And this is where people get in trouble. You know, so many people want to learn calculus, but one plus one is dumb. Everybody knows it's seven. Some of you are confused. It's, it's one plus one is two. But you think about it. We need to get the basic part down if we ever plan on building up higher. So one of the main things the Lord is going to say, well done or not, is on this basic thing that nobody is excused from. Who becomes a believer? Who has received eternal life? And what is so cool is when you get saved, you're empowered with a new nature. You are God's kid. You're more than a conqueror. You're a winner. This world doesn't have to overcome you. You've got the goods to win. So we can be about the Father's business as the world is collapsing around us, and we can be going, "Woo, glory to God. Or we can focus on the wrong thing and be an overcomer and not overcome. But that's not God's plan. Matthew 28, 18. Here it is. Is everybody ready? All right. Verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them. And these are some of his last words before he was raised up. And uh, it said, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He received some kind of authority when he died and conquered death conquered Satan. The Bible said he stripped him of his power. Boy, wouldn't that be nice to know? 
instead of thinking the devil's so powerful. But when people don't know it, then they might get robbed or think, whoa, watch out. But when believers know that Jesus got authority and then commissioned us, do you have authority? As a believer, you better believe you do. And he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, therefore go, you go, therefore. In other words, he's authorizing us to go for him. And he said, and make disciples. What is the target of every believer? Make disciples. Make disciples. Notice what he didn't say do. Go into all the world and teach everybody just to read their Bible. And if they just read their Bible or just hear things, that's good enough. Teach everybody to be a connoisseur. Teach everybody to just go, yeah, that was so-so. No, he said make disciples. And in the word disciple is the word discipline. It's, it's a self-disciplined one. Amen? But you don't just discipline yourself according to your own rules. He said, teach. He said, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Notice this. Make a disciple, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That, there is a lot in there. Think about what he said to the person who is a disciple of the Lord. And, and part of being a disciple, the very first thing of being a disciple is you must be born again. You must be made new in Christ. You must receive him as your Lord. That is the first thing we are taught to do for the world. We are to reach people. Every person that wants to hear, well done, and do God's will, needs to be about the Father's business of reaching people for Jesus. But that isn't the end. Part of being a disciple is teaching people to observe all that the Lord says. And isn't it interesting how he made that statement, lo, I'm with you always. To the believer, he lives in us. To the believer, he dwells in us. To the believer, he put his life in you. He, he's big in you. That's why he said, lo, I'm with you always. You don't have to say, Lord, I'm getting ready to go into a store. Last time I was here, this is pretty tough. Pretty tough. There were a lot of those people who fly from the north to the south. Yeah, this is a lot, of, a lot of people in the parking lot. Just be with me, Lord, because there's going to be a lot of people here today. You don't have to pray that. Because he said, low and high, just everywhere I'll be with you. And that didn't mean he was going to be with you in weakness. In other words, he's going to be with you full of strength and full of ability and able to do things as we walk with him. And so he said, here's the deal. 
teach people to observe everything I've told you to do. Now, here's the thing. Some of you sitting here, everybody here for that matter, is going to hear these things a little different. So sometimes when, when you say something, you might be saying something clear to somebody, but the way they're receiving it is through their own viewpoint of what you said. So I got done and I said, I said, you know, the Lord wants people to become disciples. So that means you've got to do everything you're taught. So then there will be people out there that will go, okay, I got to keep the Ten Commandments in, or I've got to do this. What is he talking about? Teach them to observe all things. Teach them and then make them do it. Well, what does it mean to do? Well, some doing can be an action you take in the sense of uh, going to church, witnessing to people. But some actions are faith actions. Both of those come the same way by the powerful living written word of God. Faith comes. So I act on it. I'm a disciple. I'm learning to act. So I'm going to be in church because God said it. I'm going to walk in love because God said, said it. But here's the deal about walking in love. Here's the difference about me going out and finding somebody on the street who's lost, who doesn't know the Lord, and I tell him, walk in love. It's different than God telling you to walk in love. Somebody said, why? Because the Bible said when you receive newness of life in your spirit, it says you pass from spiritual death to life, and then it said love comes forth. There is a love nature in you. We're trying to make them act like a Christian, and God's saying once you're a believer, this life is in you. This love is in you. This kindness is in you. It's not in your mind. It's in this new nature. And so when he's telling them, I'm teaching you to, or telling you to teach them to observe, what we're doing is teaching people what they have that are in Christ, like being a new person, like you're dead to sin. Therefore, you don't have to do wrong. You can win. This world's going to get wicked, and we're going to get shining brighter. And we're going to conquer when temptation comes. And we're not going to be overcome because we're more than conquerors. He created you like that when you received Christ. So when we're teaching somebody to observe, that's what we're saying. We're not just saying, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not, you know, here are the Ten Commandments. Or you just need to go to church. No, why would we tell people to go to church? Well, for a believer, it's different than a lost person because we live in a new economy. We live in a new system. The world is dead in trespasses and sins. They need us. That's part of our job, our baseline to reach people and lead them to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Like, you know, T.L. Osborne, you know, famous, well-known minister, uh, said, you know, when people ask, why hasn't the church grown? He said, you don't have to ask anybody but yourself. Because it's our responsibility individually 
to reach and to make disciples. Are you with me? And so when we talk about walking in love, walking is an overcoming overcomer, walking is more than a conqueror, and we talk about going to church, it's different than a lost person going to church. Why? Because you've got a new nature. You're in a new system. You're under a new king. You're in a new kingdom. You, there's a new order for life and existence. And this is part of our existence in the kingdom. And so when we teach people to observe, it should be from that standpoint. Because you're a child of God. This is where the family meets. Amen? And so he said, said here, teach people to make disciples. Be one yourself and then help people to become a disciple. Now it doesn't say reach the lost, but you can't be a disciple until you get saved. So it's inherent in there that every believer should be winning people and helping people to uh, observe and live the life. Every believer. So he said, I hadn't heard that before. That's why we're reading it in the Bible. To help us, because we want to hit the target. Amen? And we need to be about the Father's business while we're here upon the earth. You know, Jesus, you can turn, turn to uh, uh, Hebrews 10. Jesus, um, when he was here on the earth, he was a teenager. You know, one day he got separated from his family when they're traveling. His family goes to look for him. The first place they went was the mall. All the teenagers hang out at the mall. No, he knew that he was in a kingdom and he was serving the king. So they went to the synagogue to find him. He just had a different way about him. Amen. So Hebrews, the 10th chapter, here, here is something about acting, making disciples one of the baselines for being a disciple is observing to do. And one reason why we're called to reach people and then bring people is because they need to get saved, either reach them out on the street, but we should be bold because we've got the goods. We don't have to be afraid or timid of telling people because we do serve the living God. He will reveal himself to people through us. Or he becomes hidden to people without us. Amen. So Hebrews, the 10th chapter and the 24th, this is more of an application of teaching people to be a disciple. Why is it important for believers to be in church? Why is it important, you could say it like this too, to be in the, get the word properly at church, and then study and read the word on their own. Notice this Hebrews 10, 24. It says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Man, God wants believers to be stirred up in divine love. And he wants, because that's his very nature, not a humanistic style of love, but a divine kind of love. And then he said, good works. You would say it like this. 
good actions or responding properly to who they really are. And he said, we should stir people up. But what, is, what does it mean to stir somebody up to certain actions? Really, it's giving them something to help them to be a disciple, to act. And notice what he said in verse 25. Connected to it, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. So he told us, we need to stir up love and good works. And how are people going to get stirred up by what they hear? Hear from me, hear from one another. Hear from me, hear from one another. That's going to help people to be disciples. We can stir them up. And so when he said, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is... You know, some people don't assemble and, and there are some things that uh, harm them when they don't or assembling in the wrong place or with the wrong thing. Now watch this because it's profound. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Notice he didn't say start going to church more and more as you see the day approaching. That's how people translate it. The Lord's coming soon. Get into church more and more. I've heard that for years and years. He didn't say that. That would be like this. Well, the Lord's not coming soon. You don't need to be in church very often. That's the opposite of that thought. Well, then people would go, wait a minute, that's stupid. That can't be appropriate. Only when we start thinking the Lord's coming. No, look what he said. Don't forsake the assembling. Be there. But then, as you see the day approaching, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Listen, we need to get exhorted. Encouraged in a course of action. Right? in a disciple one who hears and then acts and does? In other words, if he said, I'm alive and dead to sin, then I hear it, I believe it, and I start acting like I'm dead to sin. I start declaring to myself, his word's true. I'm dead to sin. I'm a believer. I'm free. What's happened, I've been exhorted to do. He taught the disciples, make disciples, exhort people to do. In other words, you have to hear in order to do correctly. But then once you've heard correctly, we can't just be hearers only. Why can we not be just hearers only? You'll get blessed to hear. You know, the book of Revelation, the very last book in the Bible, says, you know, if you read this book, you'll just be blessed. You know, there's a blessing just to reading the Bible. But you know, it's not near all the blessing. As a matter of fact, if he said, if you just hear the Bible and don't act on it, he said, you're self-deluded in James. In other words, you know, in our coffee shop, let's say we're running out of coffee and they're like, we don't have time to make more. I'm like, add some water. Nobody will ever know. And then they start drinking and people are like, oh, and then more people are running. like, we're running out again. Add more water. 
and pretty soon it looks like tea or less. And they think, oh, that's coffee. Well, what's happening is becoming diluted. What's diluting it? Adding water. What dilutes a Christian's life? Hearing the truth, but not being a doer of it. In other words, not acting like I belong to God. When I'm saved, not acting like I'm a child, not acting like his name works for me. But you understand, I have to have that knowledge first. And what happens is we need this, especially in the day we live, to hear exhortation, to hear teaching, because it straightens us out and it helps us to stay on a right line. Are you with me? We need to be exhorted. We need to. We need to talk amongst each other. We need to have good friends who want to serve God, who want to live for God. And they may not look like the people you would want to hang out with, but they love God. So hang out with them and make disciples. Reach people. Bring them in. Cause them. Encourage them to, because why? We don't want people just to hear because you're deluded. You don't get to partake of the full. But somebody said, oh, it's wonderful. I've had people come in and say, it's just wonderful to be here. They're not saved. But you come here and you're like, man, I sense God in that place. But they're deluded. They're not even getting the full impact. And they could. And I'm glad that they're coming. And I'm glad that they've heard. But man, God wants them not to be self-deluded. He doesn't want me to be self-deluded. He wants me to get the full load. It's how God is. He's good that way. And so he doesn't hold it a secret. Turn over here to Psalm 73. This is an interesting uh, verse or set of verses about gathering and coming into the sanctuary of God. And, and it's really a profound thing. And we're talking how that acting on God's word is such a true thing and being a, and a great thing and being a disciple of the Lord is, can, be, can be wonderful and it, and it can be fulfilling and, and, and just a wonderful thing. And then making disciples is hitting the target. Who are we working on? Who am I working on? Reaching. Who am I working on helping them along in their walk? Somebody said, I'm working on myself. Well, that's good. But our world should be bigger than ourselves. Amen? And, and we, we can do this. We want to hit the target. And, and this is, we're just talking about how practical ways of being a disciple, acting on the Word of God. Psalm 73, we'll read, um, we'll jump into this story for time's sake, the 13th verse. And it's real interesting because you could really see this in our world today, uh, where people are committed to the Lord, whether you're a child, a youth, middle age, any age, uh, there are going to be some of these things right here. And, and I've lived and worked in this world when I worked in construction and uh, was a working superintendent. And I remember uh, working with people and, and, and you would hear Christians talk like this and their perspective. And I know it's true everywhere. 
and this will probably resonate with you, somebody maybe you know. And, and look at this. It says, verse 13, this the psalmist writing by the inspiration of God, surely have I, I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. What he basically is starting to say, and he's kind of in the middle of a thought, is he's like, man, I have lived a committed life to the Lord. And is it really paying off? Look, look at everybody else and what they're doing. You know, they're out there doing this, and they're out there doing this, and here I am keeping myself pure. And I've washed my hands. I don't, I don't put my hands into all the junk that they do. And he's thinking, why am I doing this? Have I done this in vain? Have I taken this journey and it's an empty road? And am I missing out on something that all these other people are experiencing? Verse 14, for all day long I have been plagued and chastened or disciplined in the morning. You know, I'm, I'm you know, it, it's affected my life and... I've, I've stayed committed. And he said, verse 15, if I had said, I will speak thus or like this, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. In other words, if I would have compromised and started saying, you know what, I'm really doing this in vain, I would be compromising myself to this generation if I'm not really living separate. Even though I've been vexed in my mind and look what they're enjoying and I'm missing out on and have I been doing this in vain and if now and, and now I decide I'm going to change and I'm going to speak wrong to them he said I would do a disservice to this generation if I would compromise and then he, and you could say it like this I'd do a disservice to my friends and the people around me to the generation of your your children when I thought how, how to understand this, I was too, it, it was too painful for me. Think of this. Here's this guy going, man, I'm living separate. I'm trying to do what God's telling me to do, but I see all this conflict and all these people going down a different path and, and, and they're going this way and, and I should be telling them this and I'm trying to figure this out and my head hurts. It's too painful for me. Why do I need to be a disciple? I know nobody's ever thought like this. I'm the only one like this. Nobody else is like this. Nobody else is living this life. And the, and the devil will work and peck at you and say, you should just compromise like everybody else. But then I would, I would do harm to this generation. I wouldn't just do harm to them. I'd do harm to my own fellowship with God. And he's like, man, I'm trying to figure this out. How many people have been by themselves and been in this type of pain before saying, I'm trying to figure this out? Well, what is the cure? Aren't you glad that after verse 16, there is a verse 17? Everybody say, thank God for verse 17. 
No, you could do better than that. Thank God for 17. Here it is. He, he said it was too painful for me. Big old line, and then he connects the thought, until. It was too painful for me. Here he is, and he said, this is all painful. Am I doing the right thing? I've separated my life, and it's causing internal pain. I'm struggling. I'm looking. He said it was too painful until. So there became some kind of change in his life. When did it change? Until I went to the sanctuary God. Then I understood their end. All of a sudden he said, man, when I went to church, when I got there and I started hearing the word of God, it brought all the perspective back. Eternal purpose came back into line. I started realizing their end is destruction. Their end is eternal damnation. I need to reach this generation. He said, my perspective changed when I got into the sanctuary of God. I started perceiving the big picture. I started seeing that there's an end to all this. People live and eat and drink and are merry and say, we'll live forever. And they don't know that in the Bible even said it like this, oh fool, do you not know that your life will be accounted for tonight? It will be required of you. Oh, I'll live forever. It'll be no problem. And whack. I mean, this happened the other day. I was driving up the street right here, coming by the church, and there was a motorcycle right there. And I thought, oh, how horrible. Somebody got hit. And, um, by uh, on a motorcycle so I went to pray and all of a sudden I got constrained inside and I'm like something's wrong people are jumping out of the car to run and help them and uh, and I'm going to pray and God's constraining me. I'm like what's wrong and then the light changed I drive through and then eventually I drove into the parking lot or drove on and saw the police coming and they were coming from everywhere and if you drove through this area the intersection was closed so he got shot last night there on a motorcycle. A gang member or motorcycle club, I better say it like that. I don't think that he was thinking anything would be required of him, that he'd live on forever. And maybe he even spoke against God and thought, I don't care. But life has an end. And he said right here, he said, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understand their sin, their end. In other words, he realized the big picture. You know, one thing that church will do for people where the Spirit of God's moving and there is the Word of God and exhortation, when you're out in the world, there can be a lot of pushing and pressure, even though we're created new in Christ and created to be conquerors. There is clarity that comes by His Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, the Bible said there's freedom. And this guy realized, man, my viewpoint was getting a little bit skewed. I made sure I was in the house of God. Because when I got there and heard God's perspective on things and saw the way God wanted it, it started to straight, straighten me out. How many people have backed away from the thing that was supposed to help them? How many people, you know, don't realize this is not Old Testament, not just New Testaments through the Bible. And I'll close with this thought. If you read Acts, the fourth chapter, there was people there that were following God. They were making disciples. They were reaching people. 
They were bringing people to the Lord. They were teaching people to commit. And then the same thing happened there. All of a sudden, the outside started pressing, saying, quit doing what you're doing. Quit serving God. Quit using the name of Jesus. Not just religious stories, because you can't get saved from those. You get saved through the name. And they said that they were threatened by the government. They were threatened by religious people. Quit using the name of Jesus. Stop sharing. And what, what happened? They got together in the sanctuary. They looked at Scripture. They magnified God and they prayed. And it said the place was shaken. Their perspective straightened up. They received boldness. And they went out and started doing again what the eternal purpose of God was. But they had been pushed. The psalmist had been pushed. But when they gathered together, perspective came. Man, when people sin, don't run from church. Get to church. When people are confused, get into the church. Gather. The Spirit of God's here. Get, get under the atmosphere. He said it would bring eternal perspective. We would see things appropriately. How important it is and how much of life will try to draw people away from this area of discipleship where there's such power in this, such eternal perspective in this. And so hitting the bullseye, so to speak, of well done is us being disciples but reaching people and making disciples. Sharing teaching people to be committed. Amen.